Welcome to the Televerse, the podcast just for TV. Because it's great, we're lucky they make so many fine programs to see. Your hustle and Kate like to debate the merits of all that they've seen. Comedy, genre, reality, drama, and anything that's in between. Welcome to the Televerse, less of the show. Hello and welcome to the Televerse. This is Kate Kalsik, joined as ever by Noel Kirkpatrick. And uh, Noel, we had some TV news this week. Yes. Fox announced, I don't know when Fox announced this because I completely missed it. Mm -hmm. But the CW announced this week that they're punting the start of their new, all their new seasons all the way to January. Um, Fox is doing the same thing. So they're the first two broadcasters to announce that there will be no fall season on our, on our networks. Um, You'll have to wait for everything to start in January, period, end of story. Um, And this is both terrible for you and I (laughs) um, as a television podcast. Um, And especially in the case of the CW, where a good number of their shows make up what we discuss each (laughs) week. Yeah. Um, Not so much with Fox, where we occasionally talk about like Bob's. Um, But it's, it's, but it's very responsible. And I'm really glad that both, um, both, both of these networks are doing that. Um, since you shouldn't be shooting television shows really anytime soon. Like they're going to have to, because episodes have to be done for January. Some episodes have to be done for January, but it does mean that they're not going to start shooting in like July, which is like when legends tomorrow typically starts filming is like in mid to late July. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think that that's just the process now of like, we, have to wait for vancouver basically at least for the cw to open up um and be safe enough that we can do this but it also speaks to just how kind of up in the air everything is in terms of what can we do and what are we expected to do and that kind of a thing um but i also don't think it's a whatchamacallit i also don't think that it's a surprise that the first two networks to announce this are cw and fox for two reasons the first being cw and fox only program two hours of prime time programming uh sunday through friday sunday through really thursday if we're being honest um but also some stuff on friday depending on like what they have um in the hopper so Sunday through Friday, they have programming, but it's only two hours compared to CBS, NBC, and ABC, which have three hours of prime time. Um, the other thing that, from a CW perspective, it also isn't surprising because CW is not answerable to local news for affiliates, which provide like a big lead-in for people to, like, you watch the 10 o'clock show or the 9 o'clock show in Fox's case, and then you get local news. And that's a, still a big thing with the uh, broadcast networks and the O&Os. So the owned and operated, sorry, I slipped into variety lingo there. <laughs> so I don't think it's a mistake that it's the two of them because they can sort of get away with this to a large degree. I'm really curious to see when, not if, but when NBC, ABC, and CBS follow this path. Um, the only other thing I'll say is that the CW has confirmed that Supernatural will be back Um to wrap up their season. Um, and I also completely forgot that the Walker Texas Ranger reboot is on the CW. Yeah. I thought it was on CBS, but it's on the CW, which makes him popping, which makes Jared Padalecki being able to split his time between those programs a little more understandable, at least on a production level. Yeah. So um, 
yeah, that's the, kind of the big TV news. And But I would keep eyes out for what the other three broadcasters do going forward because they, they have to do something. Yeah. Well, it's the thing. Like, I think it's really responsible. I think it's great that they have announced this. I wholeheartedly agree with everything you, that you said, Noel. I, I also think that January is ambitious. Yeah, I think so, too. I, think I don't so think too. they'll actually be back in January because um, I don't anticipate like no one really knows what's going to happen. But yeah. people who know more than we do anticipate a surge in the fall. Yeah, And there is no way to film any of the shows that are the primetime shows on any of the networks in a way that works with social distancing. Like it can't be done. Yeah. Without it being like a gimmick based episode, yeah. like this is the worst possible time for Modern Family to be off the air because <laughs> they could absolutely do a pandemic episode mm-hmm. and it would fit with Modern Family's whole deal. Um, but yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's it's going to be really interesting. But yeah, I agree with you that I think January is ambitious, but you have to do something. You have to say something and make yeah. a gesture. Yeah, no, and and we'll see how how things get adjusted. And I I mean, basically, I'm all for any of these companies coming forward and just acknowledging, like, just rip off the Band-Aids, guys. There's not going to be any pro sports next year, like, starting the fall, like, the fall season. Like, football's not going to happen. Like, certainly these different things are not going to be happening, barring some unknown, unknowable at our current moment, like, change in everything so if they come up with a cure they come up with you know obviously a vaccine Vaccine, they can't come up with for at least like a year and a half because they need to test it for a prolonged period of time so even if they have a vaccine right now it won't be ready in time so unless they come up with some sort of treatment um and anything could happen but barring that there's just there's no way to film these shows so i'm sure and and they all know that so yeah I'm sure that they're trying to come up with other ideas of how they could do things. I saw somebody talking about um, or speculating that like you take your entire crew and cast and you isolate them for two weeks and then Mm -hmm. you have them all go film and they just like live there and can't leave. Yeah. And then they isolate for two weeks and they go home, you know, which is a thing that you could do. Right. But then, but like, then they. I hope that you have. They have it. You you need all, all new contracts. <laughs> yeah, you need all new contracts. But then you also basically don't have guest stars. Like you don't yeah. have any sort of guest cast. Yeah. Um, which poses in and of itself like challenges for like villains of the week or mm-hmm. like what do you do for that kind of thing. Some shows could very easily get away with that. Yeah. But like none of the CW superhero shows can do that. Mm-hmm. They all rely on that you know, recurring character, like, or like what do you, you'd have to really change everything about how you structured your storytelling. And there are things that you could do, like there are things that they could do with like some of the, like the CW, for example, where they, because there are so many of those shows that film in Vancouver, where if, depending on how it's all set up, you quarantine all of the people for all of your shows, and then you have guest actors go on each of the shows, you know? Uh, Like, uh there are some things that you could kind of do with that, but, like, basically making an ensemble of players. Yeah. Um, But it's it's really hard, and and 
obviously the just the health part of that is difficult. Yeah. The crew, the psychological part of that, getting them to agree to not see any of their family for mm-hmm. months and months, months and months um, would be really challenging. Uh, and but I mean, even just for me, just the legal part of that. Yeah. New contracts for everyone, for all of your crew. Like there are hundreds of people on every single set. So yeah, it's just, it's, and I mean, we're just talking about Vancouver. If you think about like either law, you think of not even Los Angeles because Los Angeles is basically shut down until July. Mm -hmm. Um, Los Angeles County is, um, but like a handful of the CW shows still shoot in and around Atlanta and George is a mess. Yeah. Um, so, like, this is like, assuming a place that doesn't have a, a big outbreak, right? Exactly. And yeah. Georgia has a fairly sizable outbreak, but it mm-hmm. also has a terrible political leadership that is not responding properly to this crisis. Shocking, I know. Um, so <laughs> I think that, yeah, yeah. So that factors into it as well. And like, this is this is going to keep trickling in because, yeah, I don't know how you shoot anything like again like some of those the soaps you can maybe get by mm-hmm. um but I, I don't know i don't know yeah um, I, I would just assume that the approach would have to be something like new content new shows like yeah. not you just you, your pre-existing properties just i mean i don't know it's, it seems to me like they just wouldn't aren't going to work in this way. And so you go for the bandit. You're hoping it's a bandaid solution of original new content, maybe from some of your favorite stars, but like miniseries, lots of miniseries. And like the CW is sort of doing that. Like they always do this during the CW always does this during the summer where they pull from like existing stuff. Um, But like they announced their summer lineup and they're pulling like Swamp Thing from DC Universe Mm -hmm. um, and a couple of other like imports, which is what they typically do in the summer anyway. But the implication is, is that they may end up doing this in the fall as well. So pulling from some other like Warner Media or CBS um, television properties to fill in for the fall as well, which is also interesting just from a CW perspective, because I can imagine them like pulling maybe... I don't know how like R-rated censoring you'd have to do on like Titans from DC Universe, um, but they could pull that in, in the fall, mm-hmm. um, and that promotes in turn DC Universe. You could start trying to drive people to DC Universe, um, but we'll see. I think there was some talk about like putting the Constantine animated series on the yeah. lineup. Um, so I don't know what Fox is going to do, but also people don't care about Fox anymore unless they enjoy nine one one. Well, there's the various, um, I mean, with all these different mergers, who owns what, but like, at what point do they go, we need to run away. So we're putting you on TV again. (laughs) Or guess what? (laughs) Disco and and Picard are coming to CBS. Yeah. And you could definitely put Picard on CBS and just kind of like bleep a Mm -hmm. couple of things, but yeah, that could be on CBS. No problem. No more of the Good Wife can be not Good Wife. Good fight good can fight. be on CBS because uh, <laughs> that shows that shows now officially too weird for broadcast television. Um, but yeah, they can re-air Brain Dead. I'd be down with that. Mm-hmm. Well, I just you know, I've been waiting for networks to get creative. I thought it was going to happen a lot sooner, and it yeah. hasn't happened yet. Um, so we'll see. It's going to be interesting. 
yeah yeah boy you know every you know the networks have to be excited about their streaming platforms that they're launching and really hoping they're going to take off <laughs> yeah it's like uh was it hbo max is launching right yeah hbo max launches in like a week and peacock is like very very soon yeah i just if you are either hbo or nbc i don't know how you don't like i don't understand how you don't completely shelve that and be like, we are the only network that has original content, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Peacock, guess what? You're getting from Amber Ruffin's show. You're going to be on NBC now because we yeah. need content. We but- really, you know what? I know, I apologize, Seth and Warren, but we took AP Bio off the schedule to put on Peacock, but it's back on. <laughs> the people demanded it. Yeah, that that's why. That's the ticket. Um, so, yeah, because, I mean... It, and some of those I would expect the because it was intended for a streaming audience it to be structured differently or have yeah. content that is not appropriate you know that's not going to work for their brands the main networks brands but yeah. on some of them and yet they don't seem to be doing that so I don't know yeah maybe they're just more optimistic than we are yeah I think they're probably more optimistic but they're also probably like various sort of like union and guild issues oh, yeah. with that as well Definitely. that they can't that they have to navigate. Yeah. Yeah. So we will see what happens, but I thought it was certainly a very interesting development. And I'm looking forward to, like you said, waiting to see what the other networks do and say. Yeah. Um, Well, this week at the end of the show, we're going to be talking about never have I ever, which dropped season one on Netflix um, last week, I think. And so we have our thoughts on that. This this is Mindy Kaling's new uh, teen rom-com kind of coming of age show. More on that at the end of the episode. But for now, we have a week, our full week in TV to talk about. Lots of reality because that is our that is our comfort viewing. Everyone <laughs> it remains as such. Um, but let's take a break, listen to some music, and we'll be right back with our week in TV. week in tv we're going to kick things off with what we do in the shadows on the run then i'll talk a little bit about we're here farmington new mexico and noel has a couple thoughts on branson missouri then i'll chime in with just a couple really brief things on rupaul's secret celebrity drag race uh episode 103 and then we'll talk one queen show on the regular drag race and then top chef ulcers la we thought we should check in this week we have cabin fever and then we have over in genre the flash finale success is assured and we'll run things out with legends of tomorrow freaks and greeks so first up is what we do in the shadows now i'm behind on this one but yes. i'm very intrigued by the title on the run so yeah are 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 you know villainous leads on the run or is this finally all the vampire hunting has caught up with guillermo <laughs> 
So no, the vampire hunting has not caught up, caught up with him. It threatens to in the cold open, mm-hmm. but it has not. Um, no. So this episode deals with um, a moment from uh, Max Berry's character's Laszlo. Mm-hmm. Laszlo. Laszlo. Um, his past comes back um, and he has to go on the run. Uh, and he goes on the run to Pennsylvania because it sounds like Transylvania, and I figured it would be cool. Um, <laughs> so he assumes a new identity um, in this like town in Pennsylvania of, and I'm just going to tell you the name because it's mm-hmm. great, Jackie Daytona. <laughs> yep, that that seems right. Yeah, no, it's perfect. It's the best name. Um, so the entire episode is all Laszlo, basically. Um, in this new community, um, trying to dodge this, uh, dodge this person from his past. And I'm being very cagey about this because the person who plays the person from his, from the past is just one of our favorites. <laughs> um, so I'm being really cagey about it and I don't want to spoil it for you. Uh, but it's a very good, very silly episode that ends and operates in a very, what we do in the shadows type of fashion. Um, there's plenty of good jokes. There's plenty of great humor in it. So, um, when you get a chance to watch it, um, I think you'll enjoy it, but it's, it's still very good, but it, it's slightly like, because it doesn't take advantage of like their ensemble, um, as much because it's very focused on Laszlo. Um, I feel like it's sort of like a lesser episode this season, but they've just been hitting home runs all season. So like a double is still nothing to scoff at. Um, But it's it's very funny. It's very enjoyable. So I look forward to your thoughts. Um, you can just text them to me when you get to them. I will. Um, yeah, but it's very good. So mm-hmm. I'm looking forward. I look forward to you watching it. Oh, great. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it too. And I look forward to the reaction text I will send when I see mm-hmm. whoever this person is. Uh, yeah, that should be fun. Um, yeah, usually Laszlo is better in small doses for me. Yeah. So, But like, I trust them if they're doing a, a, an all- Barry episode to adjust the tone accordingly so that it'll work. And they do. And they do. So looking forward to it. Okay. Next is we're here. And the fourth episode is Farmington, New Mexico. And I, again, I continue to really enjoy, um, this, the season, the, the people that they make over or that, that, that they do the drag who, who participate in the drag show this time, um, are the, we have two, like a mother and daughter, and the um, the sister or daughter, other daughter, was a lesbian who died by suicide. So the sister and mother are putting on a show in honor of her to celebrate this person. And um, who sounds like she was just an absolutely amazing person. And like they mention, like 500 people showed up for her funeral in the middle of nowhere in Farmington, New Mexico. Um, who, and just... A lot of them whom they had never met before because she just helped so many people. Uh, it's absolutely beautiful. So I'm tearing up thinking about it. So that's one part of it. That part's good. There's uh, another person that uh, is a, a woman who wears male, uh, like male gendered clothing. She just feels more comfortable in men's clothing. Um, and she does like a high femme, uh, like routine 
still in pants, but like very Grace Jones um, for hers, which is, again, just fantastic. There's a lot of discussion around um, LGBTQIA visibility and teen outreach and then um, misgendering and what that's like for a cis person, which is what she is, but also then for trans people. Um, and then but the for me, the real standout part of this episode is. Um, Bob's segment, which is with uh, Nate, who is a queer man who is indigenous. And uh, t- so there's this all this intersectionality that they, they get into about Native peoples. There's a lot of like they, they start the episode out at a monster truck rally and like half the people there are Native and indigenous. And uh, so there's a lot of really great representation and there's a lot of discussion of histories and like in this air region of the of the country and what it's like to be someone who is uh, a person of color and native and queer and uh was in a he's got he's got a level of disability from a car accident that he was in and the the performance I got goosebumps I thought it was really beautiful what they did it was very creative and uh yeah I really liked it so again Kay here saying, listeners, if you're looking to cry at something that is beautiful and lovely, check out another episode of We're Here, which is <laughs> really, there's a lot of really nice stuff in this one, too. I was a little um, skeptical when they sent out the first three. Like, why why are they holding back? on? Because usually they send a lot of screeners at HBO. Um, but then when they did send the, the, the next two, four and five, it was clear that like, the, they hadn't done the color timing yet. It's like, oh, it's because literally they're still working on it. And they filmed it earlier this year becomes apparent um in uh like i think it's the fifth episode there's some like they're talking someone to someone who mentions it being 2020 i was like mm-hmm. oh i just figured they had filmed this like last year because like yeah. that's a, a, a pretty standard thing but no they filmed it earlier this year so the fact that they got it turned around this quickly is actually kind of surprising um so yeah i'm looking i really liked next week's episodes too and i'm looking forward to the finale but uh yeah i love i love the people that they are choosing to focus on um in these different episodes and i mean if there's only going to be six episodes i'm grateful that they're making time and finding space for different types of drag different types of of people and um who just have very, everybody's got their own very interesting story. So, yeah, I really, again, I really like it. I'm a sucker for it, though. Obviously, I'm in the bag. What did you think of Branson? Well, first, um, about the timeline for the show, um, like, that calls to mind the fact that with the Branson episode, there's, like, still Christmas decorations around. Mm-hmm. Um, in some, of like, I think there's a tree um, somewhere in one of the sequences. I think on the yacht, mm-hmm. which... Yes, there's a yacht. Um, <laughs> that moment when she, it's like, it's iced tea. It's iced, dude, don't be a narc. <laughs> it's great. Um, so that makes sense that like they shot the, that they're kind of still finishing it. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so first you made me want to watch the Farmington episode. So I'll go back and I'll watch that sometime before next Friday. Um, I really liked the Branson episode. It was the first time that I really kind of felt connected with the show. Um, I still think that, like, yes, they highlight a interesting number, interesting people, but I also feel like you still need... I know that there are three queens, but I really feel like you only need two, like, townies. Mm-hmm. Um, but just to dig in more to each story, but it's still, it's still good, I think. It's still working. It's just I'm not always, like, I'm always wanting a bit more depth than breadth um from the show but that's 
a me issue, not a show issue. Um, so, but I'm intrigued by your discussion of Farmington, so I'll seek it out. But yeah, I really liked the Branson episode. I thought it was pretty solid. But also, I was just floored by is Branson just a is this just a big mini golf city? Um, Are you familiar with Branson at all? I mean, no, I wasn't. And my partner actually came down and watched the second half of the episode with me, and I was just like, "What's the deal with this city?" And she's like, "Oh, you've never been." Right. You're also not from the Midwest. Right. Okay. <laughs> yep. And you haven't spent any time in the Midwest. Right. Okay. So here's the deal. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. It yeah. was funny um, seeing some of the reactions people were having to, to this or like to the giant Confederate flags or to the people calling the cops on them um, in the middle of this showbiz town because they're just walking around with cameras and are themselves like not even in drag, just like themselves. It's like, oh, yeah, no, this is. Uh, yeah, that's Branson. That. Yep. 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 Giant, giant, giant cross. And, you know, eight shows a week. But you better not be gay. In a showbiz town. I mean, come on. So I thought that the way that they handled all of that in the episode worked really well. Did you have a particular storyline that you were invested in in this one? Or did you have a favorite performance? Um, I like the most like the one that you highlighted most, obviously, the um, fellow who identifies as Christian. Mm, Tanner. Yeah. Tanner. Yes. Thank you. Uh, was by far and away the most interesting storyline um, in that week. Um, in that episode, which is why, like, I kept wanting more depth mm-hmm. um, to really dig into that as like an overall thing. Um, but it's still good. Um, none of the performances really grabbed me during the drag show, um, but I really appreciated uh, the makeup for the wrestling um, mm-hmm. townie. I thought it was really, really good. Um, and I also feel like they didn't have to give him a lot of makeup to make him look really good, which is always something I really enjoy seeing, like, the degrees to which, what looks best for you, but also what are you comfortable with, but what looks best for you? And they, I think they found, like, a really good line there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, that's where I ended up with that. Yeah, when I watched it the first time, I and I had watched them back-to-back, one, two, three. Um, and, I, you know, I liked the first one. I had some question marks. I liked the second one more. I was really moved by the the trans wedding, and then with the third one, I I liked it. Um, but I was surprised by how affected I was by that ending title card, and I was like, yes. oh, yeah, yeah, good, that needed to happen because apparently I was very invested, and I didn't realize it until you told me through a title card it's gonna be okay, and I was like, okay, thank God. <laughs> oh man, yeah. Um, so yeah, I. I'm glad that I'm glad that it worked for you, you know, because I know obviously I like this show much more than than you do. It's much more a me show than it is a you show, and that's fine. Um, so I, I look forward to your thoughts about uh, the the Farmington episode, and um, yeah, I so creative. I really liked. I really liked, and they put they put Nate's for me. It's the that one it's all about Nate, but they put his first, and I was like, oh, come on, guys. Okay, that's fine. You should have you should have built to Nate. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but, they should have. But anyways, it's, it, I look forward to your thoughts. Um, next, we have RuPaul's Secret Celebrity Drag Race. And I wanted to mention this episode because the the secret celebrities are Dustin Milligan, uh, who, of course, is Ted on Schitt's Creek, and Alex Newell and Matt Eisman. And so uh, having it was they, they were all super game. They were they did a really great job and they all like fully committed. They did a roast and they like all fully committed to um to their very specific drag um 
personas and they had these really strong ideas about what they wanted to do. They had uh, either they or they talked to some writers, which I would imagine, because they were all too good at the roast for people. I mean, obviously, Eisman's a comedian, but like Newell and Milligan are not. And they all did really good <laughs> at the roast. So I was like, OK, you probably had some help and good, good call. I would I would reach out to writers. I would like pay, send, give some people some money to to give me RuPaul jokes if I knew I was going to be doing a roast of RuPaul on TV. Absolutely, uh, it was really so. Yeah, they were just all very charming. They all did a wonderful job. Um, Milligan is a absolute uh, drag race super fan, which was delightful. Like and and um, they had a roast that they needed to do, and it was Nina West. Kimchi and Bob the Drag Queen, and he picked mm-hmm. Nina West, and they're like, guys, I mean, it's a roast, and you picked, like, the nicest queen. He's like, I don't care. I'm gonna need so much moral support and help, so that's why I'm going with Nina West. <laughs> <laughs> and the other one's like, I got Kimchi. She is the shadiest of all, like, she is super shady, so this works out great. <laughs> and obviously, Bob, you know. Um, so it was just, it was really fun. And um, I was very much okay with the resolution which was they uh, RuPaul declared it a three-way tie and they so they gave each charity $20,000 instead of 30 10 10 um but what was particularly fun for me was playing spot the CW alumni because in the end part when they're um like talking while the judges deliberate you know um they have their bring in their friends and family and uh Clark Moore uh, of of course, from Crazy Ex Girlfriend, and um, one of the supporting figures in Crazy Ex Girlfriend was there to uh, on, over the phone to be Alex Newell's friend for this, and Ben Lewis from Arrow and so, uh, someone else was with him were the friends for Milligan. Uh, so I was like, ah, yeah, future William. From, uh, he could be like the level of celebrities that they have. I mean, he could just be one of the celebrities. <laughs> <laughs> bring him on next. So it was just fun to 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 see that little bit of a Vancouver Canadian actor connection. Um, anyway, so I really enjoyed that one. I'm looking forward to the finale. Clearly, the so far by far the, the weakest was the first one. Um, the second and third episodes have really stepped with their game. So I'm looking forward to what they have saved for the finale. Uh, that takes us to RuPaul's Drag Race, one queen show. So we went from six to five. What did you think of their one-person shows? So, I think that I think that the like the puppet challenge indicates exactly what you should feel about the one the 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 shows because mm-hmm. um, they all feel really reflective of these were okay, and then the actual the actual the puppets were okay, and then the one-woman shows were also okay with the exceptional exception of crystals which was very funny um but i think that there's there's just a weird sort of issue with the whole challenge in that when you say a one woman show you expect a sort of monologue one act thing similar to what jackie and heidi end up doing mm-hmm but then you get a five minute sketch from crystal Gigi. Uh, and uh, Jada also falls into like the story type um, there, but it's just it's just a weird challenge in that it lacks like a solid parameter, and it's also a weird challenge in that no one went. You have five minutes, Miss Pie, um, <laughs> yeah. and that and then that doesn't get that doesn't that doesn't get 
cherry pie in some way disqualified from being safe for not following the goddamn brief. Um, yeah. It's a major issue I have with this episode that there are no rules, apparently. Mm-hmm. Um, because there are rules. <laughs> because had Sherry Pie not been uh, a scumbag, the actual person um, who got disqualified, definitely she was going to be one of the front runners of the entire season. Yes. You- and uh, what like the main other person aside from uh, like c- battling it out with Gigi, and they clearly had a- several other storylines planned um, that they just have cut out. Which it's great that they did, but that means that they were not going to put her in danger, even when you know she went twelve minutes over twelve minutes. It's only a five minute thing, and I can believe that she didn't realize she went that long. Absolutely. But there's no way anyone with any level of performance experience thinks that that is five minutes or even close to five minutes. Yeah. No, absolutely. Like, I mean, seven or eight, I can understand, but there's no way that you didn't know you were going on for 20 minutes. There's just none. Yeah. There's none. I know that, who is it, um... uh, Ross, right, says, I think you were a little harsh to Michelle about saying that it was selfish. And I was like, I was at home going, no, she was not. Michelle (laughs) was correct. Michelle was correct. That was very, because like, then that whole time, like, so, so Sherry on her own went longer than the three queens before her. And there are only six queens. So she more than doubled the amount of time that Jada had to sit there on camera and couldn't like check her notes think about what she was going to do was psyching herself out the whole time. Like that complete, that absolute, I mean, if you don't think that affects someone's performance, may I introduce you to a cooler, which is literally a job in a casino and also a job, like, like a thing they do in baseball. If someone's on a hot streak, like, like there is literally, that's like a a thing or in any, pretty much any sports, but like football too, if they, they keep calling the, um, timeouts to to force you to delay so that everybody gets cold and starts messing up right like it can really mess someone up and yeah i i didn't expect them to put her in the bottom for that because they were all laughing a lot but they should have but yeah they she should have gotten a more stern talking to yeah definitely like knowing what we know about sherry pie uh which admittedly right is only part of any that any of that story and yes. more than I want to know, um, but you can see little threads of it come through in the show, in moments like that, and, and, yeah. or in what was what was her line, um, force feeding America or whatever, yes. like just different things like that. There's a lot of control things that come through. There's a lot of um, power things that come through, dynamics that come through, uh, and it there's there's. In the the next episode, um, which is airing tonight, they have to do their verse, like they record your own mm-hmm. rap verse, right thing. And her verse has some tinges of that too, where it's just like, "Yep, I know that they are doing their best to edit her out as much as possible, but it's just like right there." <laughs> yes, the, you can see how like these allegations came out, and the editors and the producers were like, "Oh yeah, that's definitely true." That fits with everything that we've seen um, in all these different moments that are all of a sudden not quite so charming. Um, so, yeah. Anyways, sorry, that was a tangent. Yeah. but No, you're fine. 
Um, I do think that like having Whoopi Goldberg on helps with this episode so much. Mm-hmm. Um, providing like a lot of like assistance with honing what your what the show is going to be. Um, which I really, really liked. And I really appreciated that you get someone like Whoopi Goldberg to help them with this, since all of Whoopi's notes are correct. Like, just the most correct notes. Um, But also Whoopi Goldberg giving you the exact way to play drunk on stage. Like, (laughs) just the most wonderfully specific way of explaining that as, like, a performance level that I was just like, yes! That is correct. So I, I I was really glad Whoopi Goldberg was on. Um, um, I thought that she was a great coach yeah. and only okay as a judge. Yeah, she was only okay as a judge. But um, she was a great, great host. Uh, or sorry, ju- uh, mentor or coach. Mentor, and her yeah. stuff in Untucked was also really good. Oh, good. I Thank you for letting me know. Um, let's see. The runways were like pretty fine, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, Heidi's face. She looks so beautiful. If she's gonna get eliminated, she got eliminated with a snatched face, man. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's so frustrating. Yeah. So frustrating. But Sorry. she's gonna win ten thousand dollars. She's gonna she's good. Yeah. Weeks. She's definitely getting Miss Congeniality. And she'll come back for all stars and she will slay. Oh. Yeah, no, she definitely will. Um, because she's definitely their breakout. Yeah. Um Let's see, was there anything else that frustrated me or stood out? Oh, you know what really kind of like drove me up the wall was everyone saying how original Gigi's whole concept was and me going, I don't feel like this is an original idea. But then I also was very frustrated when the joke was, welcome to Detroit, and went, nope, that's that's not funny (laughs) for a lot of reasons. I thought that her I thought that she did a good job and I think I agree with something that Ross said like if she had just gone full insult comic like she was getting a good response yes. from the audience and then she would like back away from that because she's like oh I'm supposed to be doing this yeah instead of being she couldn't be comfortable in the moment uh, which is unfortunate I thought that actually Jada like she started I was like oh she's gonna crush this because her confidence and her like delivery was so good mm-hmm. um so that's another one where it's like it was, it was rough but yeah only because like not because of Jada and her performance ability but because she picked the wrong story yeah. um so it was interesting watching the different ways that people had trouble like Heidi if Heidi had gone for 17 minutes she wouldn't have had that same trouble because she would have had enough time to delineate her five characters. Ugh. Anyways. It's too many characters. It's too many characters. I do I do have to say, though, I loved, loved uh, Jada's look. And I was glad yes. when RuPaul, like, mentioned. It's kind of like drag fashion Guinan. Because I was like, it's absolutely Guinan. Yeah. Um, and, and you get the sense that they didn't know that she was coming. So they couldn't have planned it. It was just a happy accident. But I, I thought it was just fantastic. I said it, the same. I shouted the same thing. At my partner is she did Guinan. Yeah, I've seen some people online being like, "Why would you go to to TNG to Star Trek with Whoopi Goldberg of all the things?" It's like uh, clearly someone was not a child in the nineties. Uh, yeah, that is that is that is not the correct answer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. That is formative. Yeah, 
And it also means you don't know that much about Whoopi Goldberg because she's a massive trekker too. Like yeah, she absolutely she she are at that point she already had been on Broadway. She didn't need to go to a syndicated TV show. No, she did not. <laughs> she um, wanted she to. wanted to. Um, which also reminds me of the thing I texted you of. I need more of Jackie's Star Trek cosplay. Yeah, I just definitely. need all of it. <laughs> yeah, all of it. All of it all the time. Um, okay, so now we're he- down to our final five. Yes. Any thoughts, anticipations uh, yeah, about what's going to happen in our, who's going to make our final four? Or I should say our final three, because yeah. it is going to be a final three. Yeah. Um, I don't, I mean, I think it's, I think it's fair to say, barring Jada having a bad week this week, mm-hmm. Jada's definitely in. Mm-hmm. Um, just I and I really feel like the show is on board with her. Um, and I think Crystal's peaked just soon enough. Um, that everyone's sort of embracing what Crystal does, and Crystal's even embracing what Crystal does. Mm-hmm. And so I think Jada and Crystal are definite top threes. Um, that third slot is just kind of up in the air for me. Um, so those are the two that I feel really confident about, but you already know. So yeah, you already know. Um, I know the future, (laughs) you know, the future. Um, we'll talk about it next week. Yeah. We'll talk about it next week, but yeah, I think that's where I am. Um, I remember just being so whole hog on Gigi this season and then just like, she's just fallen so flat on her face in this back half, just stumbled real hard yeah well i will say this it's a rusical challenge uh sort of because i don't know if it's really a rusical there's only five people right because it's a it's a different energy but it's a combination rusical and like the standard record a verse thing make a girl group kind of number um and uh, i think it's one of the best they've ever done okay well i mean they did madonna unauthorized rusical yeah. So, yeah, this is just the verse with the single cam track shot. <laughs> well, they don't do that, but okay. you'll see. You'll see. Anyways, more on that next week. For now, let's go to Top Chef All-Stars LA and Cabin Fever. We'll also have a few thoughts, I'm sure, about Restaurant Wars. Uh, my main takeaway from this was, you know, with with uh, a mournful heart, uh, an appropriate goodbye to Leanne, um, mm-hmm. you're not just, you're just not going to come away from steamed instead of baked goods. Yeah. Nothing to do there. Um, and, uh, apparently Voltaggio decided to show up. Yeah. Which is wild. Cause he hasn't um, previously, not in a meaningful way. Yeah. No, he, I honestly feel like Voltaggio has basically been like, I'm going to coast for a while is what it kind of feels like a little bit. Uh-huh. Um, so I was really interested that he, again, like decided to start being himself to a certain degree. Um, but I also just loved the whole, I loved the whole concept of them doing like a big brunch for a bunch of moms. And then all the moms being like, we love you. <laughs> and I was just like, this is just wonderfully charming. Mm-hmm. Um, since every, whenever they do these kinds of make 200 dishes types of things, everyone's very sort of like, Oh, it's Top Chef, blah, blah, blah. But then it was just like, we get a bunch of normies, basically. And they're all so excited to meet these people. And I I've, I've very much enjoyed that. But yeah, it was it was weird. It was weird for Voltaggio to show up. But I do think he's just been trying to coast his way to let some folks get eliminated. And now he's just going to start cooking. Um, 
But I also just, Leanne's never going to go camping again. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yep. She's just going to be like, no, I'm not. No, is they'll invite her back again. And Mm -hmm. she'll be like, or do we have to do location stuff like in the mountains or something? Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, no, I'm not doing it. Not Mm -hmm. doing it. Nah. Nope. Nope. If I was Karen, I would have been so pissed when both of the two people, uh, well, two of the three, but basically both the people doing eggs were like, eh, never mind. You're like, I would have completely restructured my dish. Oh my God, yeah. guys, you're killing me here. Um, yeah. yeah. It looks to me like we're looking at a top four of Karen, Melissa, Gregory, and Brian right now. Yeah. I think that's accurate. And then. Depending on who comes back from Lance Chance. Last Chance. Last Chance. Yeah. Did you watch this week's yet? I have not. Um, again, our on demand's really spotty with getting it. I, yeah. I was going to watch it on my computer, but I did not. Yeah. Um, I really like the challenge, though. It's a good challenge. So I look forward yeah, to it. Yeah, it's egg based, right? Yeah. Yeah, which is exciting because I like when they force them to cook with like an ingredient and you have to highlight it. Um, yeah, I I think that this, like, this episode's generally pretty solid. Um, like, I like the fact that they had like a really limited pantry. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also just, I appreciate the producers just almost certainly going, Hey, Malarkey, go check out the buffet line. Go stir <laughs> up some drama. You want the villain edit, go stir up some drama. Um, and Absolutely. then like the show just failing to engage it at the same time of like, no one cares. <laughs> We're trying, <laughs> but no one, the rest of the people don't care. <laughs> um, I felt really bad for Melissa in this episode. Um, mm-hmm. Just that that salad was so sad. Yeah. So She's sad. Like, Surely there'll be things left over. What? There's nothing left over. You've got to be kidding. What? And I can't do eggs because there's already an egg-based salad. Yeah. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> yeah. But I'm hoping that Melissa bounces back because I really love Melissa. Yeah, she's so um, good. Yeah. Um, so we didn't talk about Restaurant Wars um, really at all. Uh, what did you think about restaurant wars and just the general concept and kevin basically being like yeah no i'm going home yeah i thought that was great and i think i think it's also really smart it's a very ben de la creme thing Mm -hmm. of like as far like so especially him coming off of a cancer scare um or scare i mean battle you know yeah uh, coming uh, recovering from cancer and that puts some things in perspective for you and having the awareness to go not only am I probably going to be eliminated here if we lose, but also I should be eliminated here. And also it is better for me to be as like my career. If I take yeah. ownership and, and advocate for my own elimination here, then try to like weasel my way out of it. When I was, it was my concept. I was exec, I was the head chef, you know, I am responsible ultimately. Um, it just it can only help him in that way. And then it makes for a more dramatic edit if he comes back through Last Chance Kitchen. Um, it's just smarter for him. But also it felt very genuine. And like on the scale of things, doing well at, at Top Chef is meaningful in the moment. But yeah. it is not worth damaging relationships with people you're going to see over and over again yeah. at various, you know, throughout your career. It is not worth engendering bad will from potential patrons um so yeah i thought it spoke well of him and his his perspective and also the yeah. kind of perspective that people bring back to an all-star season that they yes. don't have their first season yeah that's all really good points and i fully agree with all of them um but also 
he knew he was going home. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing else you can say. It's like, yeah. your main dish wasn't as good. Wasn't good enough. Yeah. And your concept didn't work. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. No, I think it was smart. Um. And I do think that, like, again, like, how we talked about with them doing, like, the pitches, like, it really put a lot of the onus on the executive chef. And it was just like, we're going to send the executive chef home this season, regardless of what happens. Um, because we're not going to send front of house home again. Mm-hmm. We're just not. <laughs> I like that they um, that they split the prize, though, four ways. Yes, that was very cool. I was very I thought happy that was appropriate. That. Yeah, because yeah. usually, usually two of the chefs end up doing all, like, all the work, not all the work, obviously, but a lot of work and mm-hmm. just have zero percent chance. Like you're not going to get sent home, yeah. but you're also not going to win. <laughs> and uh, and so I thought I liked that they all got to split the prize money. Yeah, uh, what's what's happening next week on Top Chef, right. Noel? So next week, I'm very excited because they have what is arguably a more difficult challenge than the limited pantry from the cabin from this episode, mm-hmm. uh, which is very difficult, I think, anyway, because they had to make so much food. Um, but they're doing um, a kaiseki menu, um, which is progressive and seasonal um, uh, Japanese uh, cuisine that also really emphasizes delicateness, um, the seasonality, obviously, and then that everything flows really well together. And I am just petrified for these chefs. Melissa's uh, going to crush it. I hope so. This is like um, high cuisine. Like this is like I feel like yeah. this is her jam. She she might not know anything about kaiseki, but like yeah. as far as how her food always looks and the thought yeah. she always brings it to it, I feel like yeah. compared to the others, I'm yeah. less worried about her. Yeah, so I'm very excited. I think it's going to be a great challenge um, that is going to hopefully maybe trip a lot of them up because it's real. It's all about precision. Like it's very much a precision focused type of um, cuisine. Um, that there are very specific expectations for it. Um, I mean, like you and I discussed a little bit last year, it's not a mistake that Kaiseki was chosen as like the national cuisine of Japan in that um, cooking, that multinational cooking Chef's table. Netflix. Chef's table, yeah. right. Yeah. It's not a mistake that they did Kaiseki for that um, because it accurately represents a lot of thought about Japanese cuisine. And I'm I'm also really excited because they teased in the promo Malarkey being like, I don't know anything about Japanese cuisine. This is not what I do. And I'm just like, it's not what most any of you do, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm really curious about how this is going to play out. I'm very excited. Yeah. Well, of course, we also have that Hannibal connection to Kaiseki. Uh, for, right. for listeners who don't know, Hannibal each season had different naming conventions. And for season two, um, I think we'd agree the best season, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, they they use the course listing for each course of Kaiseki, which can be as many as 12 courses yep. <laughs> or probably even more. But um, it, so there's always that connection. So whenever I think of Kaiseki, of course, I think of the show Hannibal and that depiction of Hannibal Lecter and the, just the specificity and, and it needs to be clean. It needs to be um, detailed. It needs to be creative, but subtle. Um and to do that right after brunch is great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. No, it's just like, you can do whatever for brunch in a lot of ways, because brunches mm-hmm. are really far-ranging things. And I feel like they push the boundaries on what constitutes brunch, brunch in some instances. Yeah, some of that was just lunch. Yeah, some of that was just lunch. Others of that was just, this is what we had. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm this this has to be very much on point. Um, so I'm really I'm really excited to see what they do with this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm less excited to see what they do over on the Flash. Really? See that okay. transition? We that had was, our- that solid seg. Like Thanks. that's a good Seth Meyers like this bump up out of segue there. This is a segue, yeah. Yeah. And there's definitely not any wasps or any children in wasp costumes. I spent all all weekend sewing behind that store. Um, so we have the flash finale. Success is assured, and obviously they intended to have three more episodes, but they couldn't yes. finish them. But um, I think it's, I mean, like the, the momentum is starting to pick up finally, and I think this episode really benefits from the mirrorverse finally like officially eve crossing over into our universe things really amp up um and they do their best to really sell that big fight scene be like finale fight scene now let's really sell it and i think i think it actually works pretty well all things considered you know um but i just don't care and i also um i think they've been doing a good job with all the barry and iris like distance and then separation and then across universes stuff they've been doing a good job with all that but like iris isn't going anywhere we all we all know iris isn't going she might come back different she might come back with powers or something but she is not not going to be on the show next season and um they're not going to undo their entire show for that so that makes some of takes it takes some of the the strain and the tension out of this and that's it's just one of those combination of that with um the I'm guessing this is because of Danielle Pennebaker's uh, pregnancy and she, you know, she gave birth uh, earlier this year, like in March or April at the beginning. So I'm, that's why frost is sidelined and she's sitting a lot with blankets on and, and stuff like that. Um, so like, there's just different factors that have you know, kind of come, come together to make me not all that invested or interested in what's going on. Um, I am more interested in the stuff with, uh, uh, Camilla and and with Iris, I think that's actually d- done a lot to get me more invested in her. I don't care about the Allegra and Nash stuff. That's another thing that has been a real big misstep for me. Um, putting all this extra, it's like it, the, this backstory about the doppelganger and all that just makes it creepy that he's like stalking her doppelganger and they haven't earned or built up that relationship enough yet. Like, I don't know. I just I, there have been a lot of issues for me this season in the Flash, despite some positive movements and i like the that they've given kenneth Patton so much to do but i am very ready for a break so yeah uh, but you know it's unfortunate that all these shows are being really impacted by coronavirus and having to end their seasons early and just kind of make things work but the stuff that you know like i'm just i'm just ready for a break for basically all the main storylines except for dibney and future mrs dibney um who continues to be very charming I like that fight scene too. What'd you think? So I, th- I agree with you on like a lot of this. Like there are a lot of like weird production things from the pandemic to Danielle Panabaker that kind of like throws wrenches into their, um, into what they wanted to do, I think. Um, but then there's also just the fact, plus everything that's going on or not going on with Carlos Valdez, who's just not in this episode. Yeah. Um, and it's weird. Um, so I think that there's all that kind of stuff where you've got a lot of weird, like potential cast turnover about to happen or your cast is kind of not available. Um, and that really impacts what you can do. Um, but then there's just like larger sort of myth stuff that like, 
I think this is all coming together. Like all the like manipulations of Eve slash mirror mistress, which just love so much. (laughs) Um, I think generally works. Okay. Like even down to recruiting the black hole light powered villains um, to the cause and paying that off uh, was pretty solid, but everything with national Allegra is just real bad. Um, Because a, the, not even a the problem with it ultimately is that it's a very bad version of the Quentin and Sarah Earth 2 stuff um, Earth 2 Laurel I should say I didn't even like the Quentin and Earth 2 Laurel stuff particularly much at the start but they they managed to figure it out um, but it doesn't work at all here in part because we don't have any connection to Nash and we barely have any connection to Allegra um, so it's just like we have two new characters they're going to be put together because we don't know what else to do with them. Um, and it doesn't, it doesn't fit anything and it just feels weird and creepy. And it's also hard to keep looking at Nash and go, right. You're the pariah guy from the crossover. You are like the bad guy, sort of, sort mm-hmm. of the bad guy, not totally the bad guy, but a inactive bad guy for want of a better term, but it was still wasn't good. Um, so that that stuff doesn't work, but I feel like if you trim that stuff down, then you get to the core of Barry trying to find Iris and Iris trying to get back. And that whole idea of running back to you, which has been so central to the Flash for so long, but you're actually literalizing it in a way here of he has no speed. The, the artificial speed force was love all along. <laughs> um... And I think there's plenty of stuff there, but it just like little nips, nicks and knobs and tchotchkes are getting in the way of what could be a really good core emotional storyline for them. Um, That's a little frustrating for me. Um, But yeah, no, Iris is obviously coming back, but I think that this is the best episode for them to have gone out on for the pandemic because there's a, there's a big fight scene that is not cut weirdly because of the pandemic, just because they decided to do it that way. Because mm-hmm. that fight scene is actually 12 minutes long. Yeah. And they cut it down because they had 12 <laughs> minutes of fight footage and had to figure out a way to make it work in the episode. <laughs> and they're just like, we're going to do comic book panels. And I went, this kind of looks okay. It's not the best, but it looks okay. Um, but I was also just frustrated by that red light that was everywhere. And we couldn't really get to enjoy Eve's new outfit. Mm-hmm. I was just like, but he put all this work into this outfit. It's going to be really green because that's the Mirror Master colors, green and green and orange, and that's this red light everywhere that's just ruining the whole thing. It's very upsetting. But I'm I'm interested enough to see where they do. They've already said that the first three episodes of season seven are going to be the last three episodes of season six. Yeah. Um, but they've also acknowledged that this kind of changes what our season next season has to be. Um, and so we're trying to figure that out. So I'm, I'm curious about how that plays out for the flash. Um, as someone who lapsed on this show, um, I still don't know that it's a, as good as it used to be, but. Oh, it's not. It's not. Um, but it's still okay. It's, it's still, it can be, it can be fu- I'm still watching it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't get irritated at it the way I do at Supergirl. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing is like, it's fine. It's not, it doesn't actively make me upset. But 
granted, the reason we get so upset about Supergirl is because last year Supergirl was really good. Uh-huh. And The Flash hasn't been really good in quite a while, so. Yeah, like, solid, like, three to four years. <laughs> yeah, it's been a while. Uh, let's round out our week here with DC's Legends of Tomorrow, Freaks and Greeks. So, basically partying with Dionysus. What did you think? Okay, so, I want to get this out of the way right now. Just right now. This is an episode where, for a good chunk of the right time, I went, I'm very upset that my good, good boy Ray Palmer is not here right now. Right? Yeah. I am very upset that he's not here right now. Um, because watching Ray struggle with Nate go full bro, I feel like would have been great to watch. But also, what happens if Ray and Nate both went full bro? Just think about that, Kate. Think about that. Mm-hmm. Um, so in my brain, this is really the first time where I've gone, I really want Ray Palmer back in my life for this show because they've done a fairly good job of making me not miss Ray Palmer. Mm-hmm. But I really miss Ray Palmer in this episode. Well, they haven't figured out what to do with Nate. And yeah. it's a real problem at this point. Because they the Zari John stuff, I think, is working really nicely. But then that disconnect between Zari and Nate that's you know because they're playing up a love triangle future um really then isolates Nate further he doesn't have any any there's nobody on the ship that he is closest with Correct. because it was Berat and he's gone so yes. that he doesn't fit like he should he should be closer with Ava after their time in the bureau and he's not yes. for whatever reason they no, really he's just it was so isolated to Sarah. Yeah, they, they've over-isolated her to Sarah and then made her, like, second in command. Um, and so that, that isolates her somewhat as well. Um, and then, I mean, obviously, Sarah and Ava, but also Sarah and Mick, and now Mick and his daughter, right? So that's that's one corner of everything. Then uh, Zari, and then Constantine and Astra. Like, there's, there's all these different lines connecting everybody. And, and like, <laughs> um, Charlie... Right, has had more of a connection with, um, with no, now she's got more connection with, um, Constantine, but also with Beirat and, um, and Nate, like all together, but not so much one on one. Like, there's so much going on with her that she can't just hang out with, with Nate, though when they do, it's really great. Um, so that leaves him as just like this kind of weird by himself offshoot. That is not good for him or for the dynamics in the the rest of the show. They, I hope they figure it out soon. Um, right. I mean, even Gary has a stronger connection with several people than yeah. with Nate. And I think that like there's a good story to tell about Nate feeling isolated. Mm-hmm. But and this is a good episode to tell that in, no less. But the show doesn't quite make that leap. And yeah. we have to kind of extrapolate this idea of he's looking for a place to belong again with his best friend gone. But the show never makes that connection for us to sort of really dig into what Nate's feeling. Yeah. And instead, it just becomes this weird kind of growing of Nate, which has always sort of been there. But then they've, they've been slowly going the whole or hog on it as the show's progressed. Um, and so they just finally double down on it here um, to delightful effect. But <laughs> at the same Nate! Shotgun Nate! Um, but at the same time, it's just, it doesn't quite go far enough. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, it's frustrating. Um, which is weird because the rest of this episode is pretty solid. 
Um, it's really weird that they leave Zari on the ship for most of this mission, considering Zari is exactly who you need to get into the terrible, really bad sorority. Mm-hmm. But then you don't get to do the Legally Blonde, House Bunny, we're going to make our own sorority hot shenanigans, which are just so good. Just so good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I feel so bad for those women because now they don't have a sorority anymore. They don't have a place to live because the yeah. house that they're actually in is not a good house. <laughs> and also is in in, in England. Um, <laughs> so there's that. Um, once they get rid of that portal. the um, There's so much. And just when they did that, I was like, here's, we're going to use a portal so that we can use our pre-existing set. Yes. <laughs> just I always yes. enjoy that and how blatant they are with that. Um, yeah, the there's I have some issues with this one that kept me from really fully embracing it. Mm-hmm. Um, one was the beer pong thing, but a, a friend of the show, Alison Shoemaker, hooked me up with a an article describing no Dartmouth rules beer pong is absolutely a thing that is yes. like I've, I had never heard of that before. I was like, oh, yeah, beer yeah. pong, you don't actually use paddles, and nope, and she's like, you yes, yeah. you do. It is a thing. <laughs> um, they just went very old school with it. Yeah. Um, but then the progression for Dion, I didn't buy because they overplayed the turn and yeah. then underplayed the resolution. So yes. they needed to they needed to have it be more like a, uh, and make it more of like a fun competitive thing than a, we must stop her kind of thing. Because that didn't really work for me. Um, I like, because I liked the Dion thing, in general, I thought it was work. It worked well, but they also like set up this. Oh, Dionysus absolutely recognizes Nate, um, yeah. and then they never paid it off. Later, they had that probably like it's nineteen ninety nine wink kind of thing, but they didn't really fully commit to even that. Yeah. So yeah, it was. I just kept waiting for the other shoe to drop for that to click in, and that could have been you know, especially ex- examining the stuff around Nate feeling like he doesn't have someone who knows him as well. That could have tied into that thread if they wanted to examine it, but they didn't. You know, like there's so there's just feels like there's some missed opportunities here. Um, and while I, I liked, I, I, I wanted Nate to get a win. <laughs> yes. Instead, and instead they give it to Sarah and let her use her superpowers, which was cool. Don't get me wrong, very cool. And I have no doubt that someone trained by the League of Assassins could play ping pong blindfolded. That like, yeah, no, have no trouble with that. But it just there again. There's just a little too much going on. Also, they're all way too old. Like all of our legends, like they're so way too old, and they don't at least ha- they don't even pretend that they like have like some sort of aura thing on so that they blend in. Like they're like you guys are all thirty five. Like there's a couple younger ones, but not that well, much younger. They do at least like position Nate as like a returning alumnus. Yeah, that works. Which, is, which works, but everyone else is a problem. Like, like he was a professor. Yes. <laughs> Everyone else is a problem. Uh, yeah. it, and it, like, when, like, like Ava is supposed to be rushing? What is happening? So, yeah, yeah it, like, I would, what it was expecting them to get kicked out because they're obviously way too old. And who are these creepy old people who are trying to hang out with 20 year olds? Um, and then they didn't come back. It was, it was very strange. Cause whereas in the time travel, like, high school reunion thing, you get the sense that they're supposed to, like, somehow with, is timey wimey look like they did in high school or something, you know? Sure. Yeah. And they cast up the high schoolers to be a little older to help with that. But like, yeah, it was really strange, especially with Dionysus not aging being one of the subplots. So, or threads or whatever. 
not a plot, but I don't know. There was a lot to enjoy here. It just wasn't quite, it, it, it wasn't Son of Sam Hellhound for me. Well, are you at least excited about the prospect of zombies? No. No? I'm excited oh, okay. about more Legends. More than, like, just any Legends episode, more than I am excited about a, a particular zombie episode. Though I okay. imagine Ava has strong feelings about zombies, and, uh, based on her slasher, uh, was it slash cast, whatever? Yeah. Experience? Um, yeah. Stab cast. Stab cast. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, after the zombies, we get the one where they're trapped on TV. Yep. So Well, and then good. we only have one more left after that, which is yeah. Tears. So I don't, Which is yeah. Tears. Which is definitely tears. So what wins your week in TV? Um, well, I do want to shout out DuckTales, which did the rumble for Ragnarok. It was so good. <laughs> um, which is their wrestling-themed episode, um, which was very funny um, and just had a number of really good twists in it. Just Beakley in that Valkyrie outfit, man. Mm-hmm. Just solid. Do- um, Dewey dooming all of humanity because he can't be a heel. <laughs> just be a heel man people love heels mm-hmm. um i think i'll give it to yeah i think i'm gonna give it to the rumble for ragnarok um because i think that was i had a lot of fun watching that uh what about you what won your week this week i mean i think for overall episode mm-hmm. i think i gotta give it to ducktales too like yeah because like parts of we're here were really great and then parts of it were just normal very good mm-hmm. um but if i'm looking at it as a cohesive whole i think yeah. i gotta give it to rumble for ragnarok now we'll take a break listen to a trailer and come back and talk about season one of never have i ever right after this what mom i'm fast asleep you don't look like you're asleep what are you doing here i'm doing exactly what i said i'd do i'm here to have sex with you person where one daily earring which brings me to my plan we're rebranding i have chosen attainable yet status enhancing people for each of us today hey jonah you smell great today it's forever by mariah carey oh this is why you don't mess with me see i'm technically best at everything yes i'm blessed indeed so don't test me please i am hercules i unleash the beast you look like an indian kardashian i want to talk about a major event that could happen popping my cherry dog oh lord we are smart and are banging all the time we can learn how to do it too word of advice just give up oh yeah i won't be able to walk again tomorrow because i'm about to go get railed peace out virgin you just seem lost and i'm not lost high school's a dick are we allowed to say dick now i just want to be a normal teenager whoa what are you doing don't worry he won't hurt me Teenagers end up in prison. Or worse, working in Jersey Mike's. You're a weird girl. <laughs> yes, yes, I am. Buckle up for some steamy teen romance. <laughs> oh, shit. That was a trailer for season one of Netflix's Never Have I Ever, which is the new teen rom-com kind of coming of age show comedy uh, from Mandy Kaling. And uh, 
it's 10 episodes and uh, about half an hour for each up 20 to 30 minutes for each episode and starring, you know, like with, we have our, our lead Davey, who is um, a sophomore in high school dealing with a lot. Her father has died in the previous, during the out of school concert the previous year. She uh, had psychosomatic paralyzation in her legs for the next several months. And then also all the normal high school stuff, um, having obviously at its center a, a Hindu uh, family, a family where the parents immigrated from India, um, that like there's a lot of like representational aspects to this show. Um, but at, at very much at its core, it feels like to me, this is a teen rom-com plus a, some twists around um, real issues and wanting to give them the weight that they need um, and also the <laughs> proportional weight that teenagers give them when maybe they should be a little bit more invested <laughs> in listening to their therapist and a little bit less invested <laughs> in setting up their friends with people they're not interested in dating. Um, and so, listening to John McEnroe. And listening Don't to listen John, John McEnroe. Yeah. How did this, this show work for you? Were you excited about it? And um, are you excited for season two if, if it gets renewed? Has it been renewed? Uh, it has not been renewed yet. Okay. Um, I liked it. Um, I thought it was pretty solid. Um, and I think that's sort of like the end of it. Of like, it's pretty solid. Um, there's a lot of, I think, pretty solid performances here. Um, but it was also, it's a rare Netflix show in which I'm like, I needed three more episodes, really. <laughs> um, even though like this kind of sags in the middle a little bit for me, it sags, it ends up really sagging because the resolution to a lot of the stuff that they do at the halfway point just doesn't feel particularly good. Um, everything like resolving the conflict between uh, Debbie Fab and Eleanor is just nonsense. Um, it's just nonsense. Um, but I think that there's still plenty of really funny, good stuff in here um, that I really, really enjoyed. And I enjoyed my time with it, but then I just, I, ended up wanting more and there wasn't more like in this season that I could really kind of grasp onto. Um, but I also think it has like a love triangle problem in that one of the points of that triangle doesn't work at all. <laughs> like doesn't work. We're going to talk um, so about that. <laughs> we're going to talk about that. So that's kind of where I am, but I also appreciated the Andy Samberg uh, narration cameo. So that yeah. was great. <laughs> that was very good. That's a good uh, one to remember for voiceover and for guest casting for uh -huh. the for at the end of the year. Um, yeah, there's a lot of here. There's a lot in here that I like, um, and I simultaneously got bored by and then felt guilty for being bored by some of the stuff with Davy uh, and her grief and her not processing her father's death as yes. I was watching it. And so I was like, oh, oh swear to okay, it just felt very heavy handed. Mm -hmm. um, it's like, because it's like, and I was like talking to my TV is like, oh, I wonder if this is really about her dad. And is the episode going to tell me it's about her dad? Yes, it is. Um, and then I felt bad because, of course, Eight months after her father died, of course, everything's about her dad dying. That's yeah. a, that's completely appropriate. But I still think there are ways they could have done that 
a little more with more nuance and subtlety and had it be more effective. Um, cause it, it, it just, there's some of that stuff felt very heavy handed. Um, like when <laughs> I really, of course, um, enjoyed, um, uh, Nisi Nash as the therapist, when she's like trying to walk her to, I wonder why you are desperate for this older boy's attention and approval. Hmm. I wonder why you're so focused on male attention and approval right now. Are we going to talk? No, we're not. Damn it. Okay. Kayak. Kayak. Um, like I wanted a little bit more of some of that while also less of, um, it just, it just felt very, I wanted just some tweaking just here and there. And it wasn't like one thread or one plot point or one like connection to that. It was just a low level hum for me in the first half of the season. And I felt like by the second half of the season, they had like worked all the wrenches out and and they had streamlined and they had figured out their tone really well. So I was actually very invested in Davey's um, family life and not very invested at all. In, in her school life. Um, I liked the fabulous stuff. I thought was good. I had a big, big, big hurdle um, with, with, uh, with Eleanor. Do you know what it was? Is it that Ramona Young, despite being 22, doesn't look like she should be in high school? Yeah. Mona is like 30. <laughs> um, even though she's not. I was shocked that Ramona Young is so young. <laughs> yeah. Is 21, well, 22. But... What's really weird, and, like, my partner watched, like, the last seven episodes of this with me. So, when Eleanor goes full beige, Mm -hmm. she suddenly looks age-appropriate. But for the most of the season, when she's dressing like a quirky art teacher, she doesn't look like she belongs with any of these kids. She looks (laughs) like she is the teacher. Yes. No, she does. And it's very weird and distracting because, again, Ramona Young is 22. Which is yeah. the standard age for a teenager on an American television show. Mm-hmm. She doesn't look 22. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I never would have... I just assumed she was significantly older than that from when she was on Legends. Right. When yeah. she was playing someone who I assumed was like mid-20s. While apparently yeah. when she was 20 years old or even younger <laughs> at that time. Um, so that's that's not on her. That's on me. <laughs> yeah. But it was... It was real distracting. And then, I mean, nobody looks their age. They all look way too old. So that doesn't help. But having that extra, like, that extra point of reference (laughs) really, really did not help with all of that. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Especially when they're making cracks about who is too old and and all of this and these different age gaps. Like, oh, Paxton is, he's a whole year older. He's 16. I was like, no, he's not. He's like 30? How old is he? I don't know. Maybe Paxton he's... is, the guy who plays Paxton is 29. Yeah. He just turned 29. Yeah. Nope. 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 I like the performance. Yeah. I think, I think, and he does the look, the capital T, capital L, he does the look very well. He's, I mean, this is not on him, um, but it was a real hurdle for me with all the high school set stuff. Yeah. And I think that's fair. Also, um, Fab is way too old, too. Um, yeah, it's just, it's rough going on the high school stuff. Um, I think just across the board, um, there's, there's all the, like, the age stuff that's weirdly hard to get past. Um, Mm -hmm. but then there's also just the fact that it doesn't really feel like it has a lot of room to move around. Um, so, like, when 
inevitably they all go, they have this fracture in their friendship at the halfway point of the season. There's never, they don't, they can't find a good way to resolve it. So the resolution is Debbie's in crisis. Everyone go help. And Mm -hmm. that solves everything. And it's what, nope, you still made it about her, which was the whole problem with this originally. Yeah. This is not a great way to resolve this problem, especially when Eleanor's mom abandoned her for the second time. This is a thing that you should be here for. Um, So it's really hard to like buy into like that, that particular remedy. Um, Then there's just the other thing of as much as I really enjoy their chemistry, it's very apparent about like in season one, who the OTP is. Yeah. Um, And so it kind of sucks a lot of that energy out of it. But at the same time, Paxton is the goddamn dullest character I've seen on TV in a very <laughs> long time. I don't get it. I don't understand. Like, yeah, no, he's shredded. I get that. I under. I am that thirsty mom. However, <laughs> I like that they gave um, the doctor, the therapist, that moment yeah. of like, okay, fair enough. Also, yes. <laughs> creepy teenager. I'm not going to scroll. Okay, I guess I'm scrolling. Okay, yes, I get it. But also, yes. Yeah. Exactly. And Easy Nash kills that. Yeah. Um, but he has like zero personality. And it's really hard to get past that. Mm-hmm. Like, even after you're spending some time with him, he still has zero personality and zero motivation to be anything. And so it's just like, I know Ben. I understand Ben. I get Ben. And Ben has personality and all this sort of stuff. Um, they also like, go out of their way to make sure that everything with Angela Kinsey and uh, Michael Badalucco, who play his parents, just so good. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's really hard to like work through that love triangle and not at the end go, oh, okay, well, yeah, no, obviously this is where this was going to go. Mm-hmm. See, yes, but I like, uh, it, it's very clear what's happening very early on. Where it's like, mm-hmm. we're spending entirely too much time with Ben. Ah, he's the, he's the other love interest. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I actually really like Lily Moore as Paxton's Paxton's sister. Oh, she's a she's great. She's really good. Yeah. Um, and I think you know it was interesting for me because I was watching this and I feel like you can't. I mean, if you're if you have our cultural reference base, I feel like you can't watch this first season and not reflect on um, my so-called life. And sure. I think that what something they do well in here is that they have the season end uh, with her. Um, not with Jordan Catalano, right? Yeah. They, 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 like reverse it, which I think is is good. Um, but he's but not even as good as Jordan. I think he's way more interesting than Jordan. Actually, I think he's a much more interesting character than than Jordan. Um, so, like that doesn't say very much about Paxton. It says how little interest I have in Jordan Catalano. Sure, <laughs> but also. I had trouble throughout the season with some of the Debbie and um, or Debbie and uh, Ben stuff because it felt like such a lift of some of the Mindy Danny stuff on um, on the Mindy show on the Mindy practice. Wait, no, the Mindy project. It just like some of the just the beats and the timing and like the 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 their banter. Right, it just felt very 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 reminiscent and so i didn't feel like i knew who ben was either 
meaningfully. Mm-hmm. Like, like the, like his yelling at the other cars while going slow, but like angry insistence that I'm right. And they shouldn't be doing, I was like, that's, that's exactly something that Danny would do. Even if he wouldn't do it about driving. Like there's just some of these beats, um, that are very, they feel very familiar for my other reference point for Mindy Kaling's writing. And, um, and so that took me out of it a bit as well. It didn't feel like Davy's stuff was more appropriate happening with a teenager than it was with Mindy Leary on Mindy Project. But it just, it it took some of that. I couldn't, I, I just got, I kept getting taken out of this, whether it was from the casting and everybody looking too old or from the, some of the different things that were happening or whether it was from the, that, like feeling like I was just watching a recycled dynamic. Yeah. Um, so when the show embraces and um, and really goes for and nails their tropes, I think they do a really good job with them, and it's it's really satisfying in that way. And when they just end up retreading them, I'm much less interested. Yeah, I think there's a weird mix of this feels fresh because of the some of the cultural specificity that's built in, mm-hmm. um, and again. We haven't talked about the family stuff really yeah. in any depth, but sure. it's good. Like it's the it's the strongest part of the show, um, and everyone's really really good in it. Um, I really appreciate how Kamala's boyfriend is just so delightfully stupid. But oh, Steve, <laughs> Steve's just so sweet. <laughs> um, I'm also really glad that that glass badger did not get destroyed because I thought that was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so I think that there's. All of that, I think, ends up working much better than the high school-y trope stuff. Um, but it is also, like, I think kind of nice to have a sitcom like this that, especially on Netflix, that you can reasonably watch with your kids if you have them. Mm-hmm. Um, particularly, like, preteen and definitely into teen, if you can convince them to sit down and watch it. Um, I think that there's a lot of good stuff in here on any number of levels for you to talk to with your children. Um provided you're that kind of a parent. Otherwise it's it's good. Um and it's a good it's it's a solid weekend watch, I think. Mm. Uh I you just I'm very here for depictions of women and especially young women, I mean of any age, but like depictions of teenagers, right, who are just angry mm-hmm. and who don't know what to do with their anger. Um yes. and at showing just how natural and appropriate that is can't you know if that's if that's just your personality like you got some stuff you need to process and that level i mean it's such a silly thing but that level like allowing people to feel like that's normal if that's them Mm -hmm. if like they look at tv and all the teenage characters who are angry are sullen white boys right um it's like i like i like that they're they're is a character like like Davy who this is how she's processing everything she's going with, uh, going through and, and dealing with. And um, yeah, I think that's really nice. I like that there's a difficult relationship between her and her mom. That performance from Porna um, Jagannathan, I, I'm sure I pronounced your last name wrong. I apologize. Um, is terrific. Yeah, it's the best thing in the show. It's really, really good. I actually really like Sindel Ramurthy in this. I like him more in this than I have in a long time. I really love that they did a stereotypical geek dweeb dad, mm-hmm. but then made him so goddamn handsome. Of course, um, right? Because that's that's how this works. But there's a, there's there's a nice degree of sort of like complexity to that character. Um, I 
in a couple of those scenes, particularly by the end, mm-hmm. um, that I just I really like. And but it's all in service of um, it's all in the service of uh, Nalini mm-hmm. and figuring out what that character is, which I really really appreciate as well. But oh, so good, he's so excited about that hog. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yes, absolutely. Uh, Harp Watch, I like the way that they handle some of the PTSD stuff. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, it was, I wanted a little more variety, but if that that's not necessarily a- appropriate for yeah. something like that, she, what she's dealing with. Um, but Harp Watch, the, when they would cut t- t- away, he's like, okay, there's a harpist, and there's the actor, and there's a harpist. So the, the I mean, I did all of one semester of harp. So obviously I'm no expert, but I've been around harpists more than most people. And I did take a semester <laughs> I think of harp. That's fair. But, uh, uh, the hands were not right. And you could have gotten like, you could have gotten those a lot better with just like a little bit of practice. Um, but because it's such a minor part of like actually seeing her play the harp just as that yep. one scene uh clearly that's not something we're going to spend any time on um but uh yeah like that's the should have more curved to the fingers you don't use your you know like like they were trying and you could see some of the things where clearly they didn't want her to pluck it because they they would have messed with the audio and so she's supposed to like i'm sure the actor was just doing what they told her to do to have it look kind of right but then you could see her fingers weren't even on the strings it was like what are you guys doing it's a close-up just mute it have her actually do something and then you know and also that's not tuning a harp takes so much longer than that (laughs) anyways sorry um yeah that's harp watch uh any any other (laughs) thoughts about the about the show should people go watch it besides you know if they have family members they want to watch with yeah, I think this is a good like show to watch with family and stuff. I think there's plenty of good stuff in here. Um, I binged I it in a day. It's an easy watch. No, oh, yeah, no. I did it in a day, too. It's a very easy watch, and it helps that the episodes are half an hour. Mm-hmm. Um, good pacing. Yeah, it's well-paced overall. Like Internally, like the episodes, I think, are generally really well-paced. Like I said, it kind of sags in the middle. Um, but overall, it's pretty good. Yeah. yeah. So, I had fun. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's it's not everything that I wanted it to be, but it Correct. is a lot of yeah. things to it is it is a lot of things and you know, just it's nice to see Hindu characters be the, the protagonists of this show and that's just so rare on American TV. So that's something worth and, and like that they start with they, they start with praying. <laughs> and it's like a def, like a central like, yes, this is a, an important part of our character. We're gonna return to this beat a few times throughout the season. Uh, I appreciated that. Um so yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of good stuff here. Um that will wrap up our conversation. Uh, but never have ever season one. We'll see if it gets a season two over on Netflix. A few show notes here. You can find a post for this episode over at theteleverse.org where you can leave us a comment and let us know what you thought of the week's TV. You can like our page on Facebook and start up a conversation there. You can send us an email at theteleverse at gmail.com. You can find us an Apple podcast with an M4A chaptered feed and an MP3 unchaptered feed. And we're also up in Stitcher. We'd appreciate ratings and reviews either place. And of course, we are both on Twitter. I am at the Televerse and Noel, you are? At Noel RK. Thank you so much for a great week, Kate. Thank you, Noel. And thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode of The Televerse. Mm-hmm.